0: Hey everybody, on this episode of the podcast, I took a trip down to my hometown, uh, downtown Joliet, and visited the new brewery, uh, they're about five months old, in the train station. It's called My Grain Brewing, and I sat down with head brewer, Dan Rosenberg, had a wonderful intelligent conversation, uh, they got a great place over there, great space, a lot of beers, a lot of lines, um, a lot of great stuff coming from them. So please, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and if you can, please take a trip to our facebook page the average joe's above average beer podcast page Uh, you can search for it Uh, i will be sharing it all over the place so go there like the page if you can please share the page if you can um, subscribe to the podcast we are everywhere itunes google play store you can get us on stitcher radio uh, and podbean so please give it a listen give it a share spread the love and uh, hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome into the next episode of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. I'm sitting here in the uh, well, it looks like a side room here at Migraine Brewing in Juliet, and I'm sitting here with uh, Head Brewer Dan Rosenberg. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. Too. All right. So Dan, say hello to the folks. Uh, hello, the folks. Uh, all right. So Dan's got me uh, sitting here, and I'm drinking a flight of Migraine's finest beer. Migraine is, is this the first Juliet? Juliet Brewing opened.
1: Uh, so the first since the last one closed. Um, there's mm-hmm. uh, there's people in this town that know a lot more than I do about it. Uh, if you ever want to have a long conversation, talk to John Bitterman. John
0: Bitterman, uh, he comes up in every podcast. Yeah,
1: he. I mean, he's one of those guys in the uh, Chicago beer scene that we all know, we all love, and he goes pretty much everywhere. So, um, but yeah, he's local Joliet guy he's been itching for a brewery to open in Joliet for as long as he's been alive as far as I can tell and uh from what he's told me I believe we're the first brewery for about 60 years or so there used to be if you go back through the history there used to be I think like five or six of them um it's tough to tell at least for me because there's not a lot of good records and one of them changed names about five or six times but yeah it's it's a town that's got a really long brewing history, and then it just all sort of disappeared, kind of post-prohibition. They weren't really able to get it all back together. So, but yeah, we're the first one to open, and then um, a month or two ago, uh, Elder just opened up around the corner. So, yeah, we're,
0: I visited their space. Yeah, their yeah space. That's so yeah, polychondriotis, right? That's that's uh, mm-hmm. Andrew, right? Yeah, yeah. hear great things about him.
1: Yeah, he's a super sweet guy. Um, but yeah, we're um, you know we're happy to just kind of be. Bring that tradition back to downtown Juliet.
0: What better uh, place, though? You know, to bring tradition back in a building like this. It's crazy when you, you know, the train station. That was the last when they when I heard a Juliet brewery was open. I wasn't thinking. Yeah, we in the middle of the train station in downtown mm-hmm. Juliet. So what's that like? What's that space like? What does that bring?
1: Um, you know, well, construction was interesting. We'll we'll get into that. But <laughs> just as far as a uh, being an operating space, you know, we're right down in the heart of the middle of it. Um. They're building a new train station across the street, and they had this space open. They're looking for people to come in and kind of help rehabilitate downtown Joliet. They've done a lot to rehab and you know bring it all kind of into the 21st century. And now they're at the point where they're just really looking for businesses to come in. And what better business to kind of anchor downtown than the brewery? So we were able to. You know, talk to the city, get things moved along pretty quickly, and everyone has been, like, shockingly supportive. You know, I, I grew up a couple towns north of here, and we always used to hear stories about don't go to downtown Joliet. It's, you know, it's not the best place in the world, but...
0: I, too, am a Joliet native.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you, you always heard things. I mean, even going back to watching the Blues Brothers as a kid, it was like, oh, hell, I don't want to go in that town. Stateville's in that town, but... It's it's been a beautiful town. Everyone here has been great and, you know, we we haven't had any sort of issues like we were initially expecting. So, it's been it's been awesome.
0: I mean, the space looks beautiful. It's the first time I've been in here and everything looks top-notch. I mean, it looks like you guys jumped out of the box with a like ready to go brewery. You know, you're used to going into these small breweries, these guys mm-hmm. that are just kind of like poking their way up from, from home brewer to this, and they putting all their savings into this space. I mean, you guys have what looks like an established brewery here.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's really what we were going for. You know, this, this isn't my first rodeo. Um, the owners here all, you know, have pretty solid business backgrounds, and we really just wanted to kind of hit the ground running, you know. It, there's no sense in starting small if we can afford to really jump out of the box with it. So... We knew, you know, when I initially sat down with the owners, you know, maybe a year or so before we even started construction here, their business plan was, you know, look for an industrial space, start small, just kind of like everyone else is doing. Um, And then we talked about, well, the industry really seems to be leaning towards pubs, so that kind of puts you out on Main Street, and it, you know, gives you another aspect. And at that point, you know, if you're going to... Be servicing a pub, you really need a bigger system than just a little psycho brew system or something like that. So,
0: yeah, when you think of these places now in this current culture of, you know, I guess what local craft beer is, it, it's, it's almost weirder that you have food and that you have a pub surrounding the place. So, what's that? Is that, that really beneficial to you as the brewer? I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay.
1: um, it's, you know, if you go into a typical tasting room, Especially in the state of Illinois, you know, just to kind of get into the minutiae of it a little bit. Um, state of Illinois' law for a brewery taproom liquor license is you can serve 16 ounces of beer to a person per day. Um, any municipality that's big enough can have home rule and they can override that however they see fit. Like, for example, when I worked up at a Chicago Brewworks, when we first got the liquor license there, they started off with the 16 ounces per person per day. Then they, you know, Bumped it up to unlimited when they saw that he was able to handle it. He wasn't sending drunks out onto the street anything like that. Um, you know, another brewery that I worked at, they allowed us to give uh, three 16 ounce pints per person per day. So we broke that up into 48 ounces, and mm-hmm. the way we dealt with that was, you know, you get you, we only served eight ounce pours, so that way someone has a chance to try a bunch of different beers right. on tap if they're not going to do a flight and go about it that way. But being a pub, people can be here. They can hang out for as long as they want. They can drink as much as they want, you know, provided they don't get drunk and we have to cut them off.
0: You can pad their stomachs with your food.
1: Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's just a much more fun environment. You know, you don't ever want someone to have to leave your place to go get food or go somewhere else. You know, you want them to, if they want to stay, be able to stay.
0: And it's, you know, there's TVs here. I mean, it's got a pub feel to it. There's a... Plenty of space at the bar to sit down. You can watch a football game. You can you can do all of that. So, but on top of it, you're brewing your recipes of your craft beer, and it's just as good as any other these small tap rooms you're going to get in these local breweries, right? I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. And you know that at the end of the day, the the pub is great. You know, I eat here every day. I love the food, and we really went out of our way to. Put together a solid menu, you get a good kitchen staff.
0: The menu's no joke. I mean,
1: yeah, I've heard it all
0: around town, too. I mean, it's anywhere from, like, people like my mom, you know, tells me, you know, that to friends of mine my age to the 20-somethings. You know, everybody, it's got a good span to it. You're getting the food and the beer all in one shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, my mom will bring her Mahjong group out here. which oh, Mahjong, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny to, it's you know. the hardest folks, huh? Oh, yeah, and, you know, you walk around a corner and see, you know, five or six Jewish women chatting around a table. And you're like, all right, I guess this isn't a joke.
0: You're like, all right, Mom,
1: <laughs> take it yeah. easy.
0: This is my place of business.
1: No. For sure. Well, so tell
0: me a little bit about the Wheel in the Sky that we're drinking right now.
1: Yeah, so Wheel in the Sky is kind of a, it's a rotating project we're doing. Uh, it's an IPA. The base beer is a IPA with lactose, vanilla, and um, just like a little bit of – the hops will vary a little bit, and then we're rotating different fruits through it. So the first version we had on tap, we're almost out of it now, was uh, with guava, mm. which a lot of people haven't ever really had a guava. It's kind of like a slightly berry-esque banana flavor. Um Pops up more in beer than I see it on grocery store shelves. You do,
0: yeah. You see it so much more in beer. Like a hailstorm will have, uh, you know, they'll do the variations on their anniversaries and big releases of their IPAs, and it's something that I've grown to like a lot. I mean, the, the one we have right now is the blood orange. Is
1: yeah, right? the one we have right now is the blood orange. This is volume two. We just put this on tap maybe a week or so ago, oh and God. it's just been flying. But.
0: It tastes delicious. I mean, you really do get the lactose in it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've had
1: some lactose ones
0: where you're not really picking it up. I I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but Mm -hmm. but this, I really like the sweetness of it.
1: Yeah, it's and the lactose really just kind of gives it that extra creamy aspect, you know, kind of beefs up the body of an IPA. It's You know, it's already got a bunch of oats in it, so it's already got a pretty beefy body as it is. And then the vanilla just kind of helps smooth out and give a little... It brings out other aspects of the fruit that you wouldn't normally get. And it brings out other aspects of the hop as well. We, um, In this one, we used Palisade and Mandarina Bavaria hops for the flavoring and uh, aroma hops. And it just plays so well with the blood orange, you know?
0: It it tastes phenomenal. So I think you did a damn good job with that. And then I just finished uh, the Iron and Steel, the double IPA. Yeah. Which we, before we, we started rolling, we were talking about it actually tastes like a double IPA. Yeah. Like it almost—I almost want to say old school, but I mean it's not really old school. It's like a, it tastes like a double IPA.
1: Yeah, old school, and right. as much as not. double IPAs are all of ten years old, like you can almost see through it, and it's mm-hmm. still—you
0: know—it tastes delicious. It's—it's it's got a nice bitter. It's got some bite. It's got a little punch to it, being a double IPA. I mean, yeah, I mean booze comes through like it should.
1: I mean, yeah, and kind of going back to our you know conversation we having earlier, you know, it—it it seems like the current trend is to just you know, make things as juicy and citrusy as possible. And, you know, people are calling beers a double IPA that aren't really a double IPA anymore. And it's, you know, there's, you know, I've got 20 taps here. There's no reason I really shouldn't try and brew a traditional double IPA and, you know, for the people that love it. And honestly, that's the response that we've gotten is, you know, as we're taking it out, we just started distribution. Every bar owner that I've sampled that out has been like, oh, man, I totally forgot. I love double IPAs. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be New England, super cloudy, cone and yeast, and, you know, a bunch of, you know, boatload of adjuncts. You can have a nice traditional double IPA and have to be a damn good beer, too. Well,
0: I'm only halfway through my flight, so, I mean, there's more to come here. So,
1: now, oh, i got just 13 kinda, more beers yeah, on tap. You're going to you try do. all of them, oh, right? Hey, yeah.
0: well, <laughs> you got Uber come here, and is Uber, you got Uber here? Yeah, we
1: got Uber. Okay. Local cab service is pretty Local. great.
0: <laughs> so, you basically you're talking like you have you have a nice palette to work with. I mean, yeah. you can kind of paint all the pictures you want. Like you said, you got that many taps open. You do have uh, talk about the system a little bit.
1: Oh uh, yeah, so we went with a ABE ten barrel system, um, and uh, most places will go with a, a steam jacketed version. We went with the direct fire. Um, difference between that steam jacket runs off a boiler. Um, you're running steam through a jacket on the outside. Direct fire is Pretty similar to your homebrew setup at home with a pot. You've just got a big fire under like it. Like a burner,
0: huh? Yeah. Okay. Difference
1: is, you know, my burner runs on 20 PSI of natural gas and could probably shoot a flamethrower to the moon. Um, but, yeah, it's just a big flame chamber underneath, so it's all nice and safe and enclosed and pretty efficient. But reason we went that direction instead of a boiler is... Um, 10 barrels is the biggest system that we could conceivably fit in this building without starting to like take roofs off and uh, combine floors, which the historical society would not have allowed us to do. Um, So if there's no room to expand, there's not really any sense in us investing in a boiler system and then throwing another, you know, 20, 30 grand on getting a boiler.
0: Yeah. I mean, just going back there in, uh, Looking at the setup, I mean it, it. It's it's massive. Looking, it's it's so much bigger than what I'm used to seeing when I'm going to these breweries. I mean it, it's it's very impressive.
1: Yeah, and I mean in the grand scheme of things, it is not a big system by any stretch of the imagination. We're still very much on the small side of the scale. So it's just it's kind of odd to think about. You know, everybody is starting so much smaller than this, and then building up to where we're at.
0: So. You talked a little bit about it, but we didn't get in much detail. So you said kind of when you, you met with um, it's Vince, yeah. and who, who, who else is involved? Uh, Greg. Greg. So you met with Vince and Greg over a year ago or a year before this all yeah. came to fruition. So, so how did that start?
1: Um, so my previous brewery... Um... My assistant brewer told me. Are we me, naming
0: names, or are we just we're gonna leave them out?
1: Uh, yeah, we'll leave them out. Okay. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to talk about them.
0: My previous
1: brewery. If anyone's really curious, they can come and talk to you. We
0: can make it. it a trivia question. First person to email. Yeah, <laughs> or, where did I you win a four-pack?
1: Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, but anyway, my previous brewery, my assistant brewer was from Juliet. He said, "Hey, there's these guys that are looking to open a brewery down there. They're not quite sure what they're doing, but one of the owners wants to come volunteer. Do you want to have a volunteer come in?" Like, yeah, sure, I'll take free labor a couple days a week. That's great. So uh it turned out to be Vince, and he came in and, you know, did the typical thing where he's picking my brain and getting my two cents on everything, and, you know, eventually came to the point where, you know, we're shooting emails and phone calls back and forth. He's just constantly asking me questions, showing me all the blueprints, and it's like, no, you should change this, tweet this, adjust that, so on and so forth, and, you know, eventually got to the point where, he was ready to quit his job and start supervising construction full time it's like all right well i gotta stop doing this but we're gonna be hiring brewers in you know the next month or so if you know anybody have them shoot me an email and you know went home talked to the girlfriend i was like yeah vince isn't working here anymore you know he's a nice guy i'm gonna miss him she's like well aren't you kind of miserable where you're at right now i'm like yeah not necessarily miserable but
0: i know that feeling yeah
1: it's It was that point where I was just ready for a change. And, you know, I I was at the point in my career where I was ready to take a step in the next direction. The brewery I was at was not. So, you know, after a couple sleepless nights thinking about it, I called Vince up. I was like, hey, you know, if you're still looking for people, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And then, you know, went through the interview process. And short version of the story is they hired me, and I came on and spent the next eight months kind of supervising a construction site
0: yeah what was that like you had to put on that uh the other hat mm-hmm. so what's what's that like from a brewer's angle you're just kind of like well you're trying to edit in your head basically like this is where i need this and this is or, or is it just kind of like general contracting you're just literally in here
1: um a little of both um so you know the brewery side of it was honestly the easiest thing to put together i mean I've been doing this for you know a few years at this point. I know what works all right next to each other. You know, I know the order that I want things in. I can tell you, just looking at a system, what's going to work and what's not. Um, but so really, like by the time I came on board, the system was already ordered. You know, a system this size has a decent lead time to it. Yeah. yeah, I had, they don't just whip them up? No, not quite. And we were actually, they ordered it thinking that we were going to be able to open, I, I want to say the original open date was like last April, but, you know, doing construction on a 100-year-old concrete building that vibrates every five minutes, and we had some slight delays. So...
0: For reference, what day did you actually open?
1: Oh, sorry, uh, we opened, so we were originally slated for like, April of 2017, it wound up being August of 2017. Okay. Not, so I mean, not terrible. I mean, yeah, not awful. I've seen worse timelines. Yeah, it's and you know I I don't know if they had an original open date before that. That's mm. just the open date that was slated when Once I was you finally were on hired board. on. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, it was. So you know, dealing with the brewery stuff, I did my initial bit of work on it. Went through, read up. I had a week out in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, which is where AB is located, just doing training with the brewery out there. Um, if you ever get a chance, Blue Bloods, it's awesome place. It's a, owned by a couple of ex-cops, that's the name, but Makes really sense. great people, really good beer. It's uh, it's a fun place to visit if you're ever out in Lincoln. I think they actually distribute out here now, too. So. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, um, I don't know how soon I'm going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, but you never know. Like You, you end up driving through some places.
1: Yeah, I know they were uh, they were having an argument one day about Breakthrough Beverage. So I know they distribute in Illinois. I just uh, not quite sure if they distribute this far north yet. So. Okay, but
0: something to uh, keep my eye out on.
1: Yeah, but so anyway, the training out there for a week. That was one week of a you know six or seven month construction time. Reading up on everything that they had done before was a week, so the rest of it was all just kind of supervising general contractors, keeping my eyes open, making sure they're not glossing over anything, because construction project this big, people will, you know... I'm not... Trying gonna, to meet
0: timelines, You're yeah.
1: Yeah, people will cut corners if you're not watching them like a hawk. And, you know, we had a really good construction crew, so there wasn't a whole lot of that, but it was more you know, once stuff is kind of loose in place, being able to take a look at it and seeing what's going to work and what isn't.
0: A, is it a local local crew? Uh, you give yeah. me a shout-out or anything?
1: Um, I mean, it was GCs from a bunch of different trades. I mean...
0: Oh, okay, yeah, so it's all over, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, you know... It, for me to count out all the individuals would be... <laughs> it'd be crazy. Thank but, you to everyone that... <laughs> yeah, that seriously we could not have done it without any of them they were all phenomenal especially coming into a site this old
0: yeah that's got to be a unique challenge i mean that's that's like a whole podcast i'm sure you could cover on architecture uh in in the way it yeah oh yeah. yeah revamping absolutely. something like this is crazy i mean it looks beautiful it doesn't look like a challenge you know you walk in it looks effortless like mm-hmm. it looks like oh yeah this has been here it's very yeah. nice it's a big space right i mean it's really big
1: yeah it's that's kind of the one thing that always scares the hell out of us is how huge the space is like and getting how we're asses in the seats people. kind of thing yeah. yeah so I mean like right now we're off in kind of our little party room um, you can't really see it but one of the walls back here is hiding a bar this room actually expands even bigger Oh yeah. and yeah. then yeah our main bar area out there I think last count seats something like 75 which for restaurants pretty, pretty decently solid, big yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's, it, it, it's not your Applebee's <laughs>
0: That's a shame. That's a shame. So No, it's not. <laughs> so you get uh you get everything in place and you know you you meet Vince and, and the guys and Greg and they and you get you on board. You get everything done. The space gets renovated. It looks great like day one opening mm-hmm. would you start with? I mean, how did you prep for day one?
1: Uh so my prep was brewing the uh, the first five beers we we had that target that when we open you know we don't want to be a place that opens and we only got one or two beers on tap which for a brew pub is a bit of a challenge on the legal side but we had a really you know we had a couple really good friends on the legal team and friends in city hall you know they were really excited for us to open so they were willing to help us push whatever we needed to push to get the job done. So we were actually able to get our liquor license, which you need to get your brewing license for a brew pub in Illinois. You could do a whole podcast on the laws. It's completely bass-ackwards. That sounds right. Yeah, so we had to get our liquor license before we could start brewing. And in order to get your liquor license, you have to pass a health inspection. But we wanted to start brewing before we were open, and we don't want to have this place just sitting complete and vacant for two and a half weeks or so while beer brews. So, you know, fortunately we were able to pull some strings and uh, get stuff done not quite in the right order, but, you know, still all above board and all that nonsense. Um, At least
0: for this podcast. It was all above
1: board. Oh, you know? it, absolutely. I saw that
0: Statesville stout. <laughs> <laughs> Some things happen in here.
1: Yeah, uh, Stateville Stout. Statesville. Stateville, uh, Stateville, sorry. Yeah, Statesville is a completely different entity, uh, but yeah. yeah. as we learned, but they uh they are good people over at Statesville as well and uh you know. I I go to their haunted prison every year. It's yeah, why a, wouldn't you? It's a fun time. Um anyway, so my two weeks leading up to opening was scrambling, getting those beers brewed. Um it was the first time that we brewed with the water here, so kind of had to figure out what our salt additions were going to be because we're using an RO system because Joliet, as much as I love this town, the water is complete and utter garbage. It's no good. Yeah, it's, I mean... Like
0: who, it's, has, who has good water? Where, where's good water
1: at? Uh, anywhere that Lake Michigan pumps to. Okay. Lake Michigan water is some of the best water to brew with on the planet. So for, for my initial brews, honestly, my water profile target was Chicago water. And we t- used that as just kind of a building point, and uh, adjusted to all the different styles from there.
0: That's really interesting. That's something you don't think about, you know, as an outside non-brewer. I mean, you mm-hmm. you think hey, you just slap some water in there, you could go get some distilled uh, Hinkley and Schmidt water, and yeah, you get your homebrew on.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> like if you just use just distilled water, if you're doing like a really big beer, there's enough minerals in the grains that you might be okay, but you won't. Like it, you just won't hit your numbers. It, you, it won't be right, and you won't be able to figure out why it's not right. And it's because those water salts, like you do need some of them in there. Like you need some uh, a certain amount of calcium and total alkalinity and you know uh, all that nonsense. There's a whole book on it. It's called Water. That um, sounds well,
0: like a compelling name for a book.
1: Uh, yeah, and you know, oddly enough, it is one of the driest reads you'll ever read in your life.
0: Ah, <laughs> I like that, see?
1: Yeah, but, it, yeah. You everyone didn't know always... you were going to get
0: comedy here, too. Oh, see? yeah.
1: We we love our puns in the brewing industry, mm. thus, you know, the name My Grain. My
0: Grain. Yeah. Any, any stories behind that other than it being a great pun? <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: the, it, so it was originally going to be Golden Spike Brewery, but there's another brewery that has a beer named Golden Spike. Um, Golden Spike being, you know, we're in a railroad. Uh, station. You know, everybody knows that story. Your final you learned spike it in fifth grade.
0: If you've ever watched Hell on Wheels, yeah, that's
1: great, great show. Exactly. So uh, that was the original name. Couldn't use it because it's already trademarked in the beer industry. So the you know Vince and Greg were both kind of racking their brains trying to come up with something. And Vince says one night he just was so frustrated and sick of it, and he was getting a migraine and all of a sudden that just popped in his head. Oh, you're like, "Hey, I use yeah. grain." <laughs> yeah, hey, my grain. So the name stuck and that's that.
0: The logo, where would the logo come from?
1: Oh, the logo is the train station.
0: Right. I mean, is it How did it come about? They said, "You know, let's just do like a really dumbed down version of like this you know, the almost like a skyline of it, you know."
1: Yeah, more or less. So um, you know, if you Ever come here or look on our website you'll see the top of the train station is it's this kind of iconic it, like turn of the century building with three big windows and it it's been the center of downtown Joliet for as long as I think anyone in Joliet's been alive.
0: So. It really is a beautiful building though. I mean, you know, I yeah. don't think Joliet beautiful buildings and architecture but this it really is.
1: Yeah, this this town has some surprisingly good bones to it. But our architect we also um it, his firm also does like initial branding and stuff like that like a lot of design work so we said hey you know toss around some logo ideas if we like something we'll go ahead and use it and he just said well you've got this beautiful iconic building why not make it your icon and that's what he came back with we went through a few different variations of it but the one we stuck with is the one we liked
0: yeah and, and you're wearing the shirt right now you can mm-hmm. see it. it's like the uh like a conical fer- fermenter, conical bottom on the fermenter, it looks great. Yeah,
1: yeah. So those three windows we changed into being fermenters. And yeah,
0: I don't mean to bog you down in nonsense, but no. you know Sometimes I like the I like the logos of the brewery. I mean they play <laughs> they play a big part. People like John Bitterman. He's a glassware guy, man. I mean, that, yeah. guy, that guy's got every glass from everything. So that stuff's important, I think, to a lot of the beer guys. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast are just beer geeks. They just love to. To chase and visit and travel to breweries and try everything. So yeah,
1: absolutely. And you know, again, getting into the logo, we um, we knew going forward that we were going to be able to kind of play with that contrast line in our can art. Which, if you look at, we didn't we didn't have time to really play it into our um, our Statesville can. But if you look at the can for Piltrus Pale Ale, which is our IPA, um, we kind of. Build the logo into a contrast line that's in the can. So there's there's a lot of cool ways to incorporate that into art without just making it like a cutout square logo that's stuck somewhere on something.
0: Yeah, I'm, the whole space is is very impressive, and especially being from Joliet, it's it's kind of a nice thing to to have been in, into craft beer for so many years now, and to finally have like a, a space where I can come and visit and now have a meal as well. Um, so you got everything, you got you got your fermenters, you got your first day, you got five beers on the line. Mm-hmm. Anything anything crazy happened day one?
1: Honestly, day one went way smoother than we expected. Um, so you know, that two weeks I was brewing, but we were also hiring staff, getting them drained, you know, all of our day one staff I made sure spent a good half hour with them talking about beer, you know, letting them know like these are the questions you're probably gonna get asked by, you know, the beer geeks like yourself and you know, here's how you talk about beer to maybe the beer novice. You know, there's going to be people that come in that are just excited something's opening in Joliet, but aren't necessarily craft beer people. So you have
0: that taste like Miller Light.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So weirdly enough, the favorite for those people was the uh, the cream ale, or sorry, not the cream ale. That was the one that we initially pointed them to, but they all eventually gravitated towards the saison, which is like that's something I never would have expected. Yeah. I mean, our saison is it is very estery it's you know it's got those definitely like fruity like almost juniper pine notes to it from the yeast so like it's something that i never would have put in front of a miller light fan initially and said here this will make you like craft beer but it's the one they eventually picked out for themselves which was that's so
0: strange because yeah you used to like you said the cream ale i mean think about how many people have gatewayed from uh Spotted cow into yeah, craft absolutely. beer, you know, that cream yeah, and, ale.
1: And that's that's why we put it on that day one lineup. We knew, hey, this is Joliet. We're opening a restaurant that's also a brewery. We need people who are coming here not to be pissed that we don't have Miller Lite. So, you know, we, we threw that on initially, and then eventually we, you know, we came up with the Kolsch, which, you now it's another kind of gateway beer, but yeah. still a solid craft beer. And then now actually... Today, I believe, is the first day we have on tap our uh, new Pilsner, which very solid, old school Czech Pilsner. Um, when you nail a Pilsner, though, it's it's it's
0: something special because you know everything's bogged down in stouts and IPAs. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking to the big craft beer all day, every day kind of people. So it's once you nail a Pilsner like that, you like that's one of those things that you talked about with the double IPA. It's like, oh yeah forgot like this can be a good beer yeah
1: like you know pilsner or kell you know once it came out in cans and we stopped getting skunky bottles over here like that very quickly became a lot of brewers favorite beers because a well-done pilsner is it's just an awesome beer but pilsners have such a bad reputation here since you know bud miller Coors, pbr all those guys have just kind of you know taken a crap all over the style for the last 50 to 100 years
0: yeah, it's, it's something that I have heard uh, one way and then the other. Uh, in, in recent, you know, I like to listen to a lot of other podcasts and stuff, but I've heard other breweries and brewers talk about that may be a trend in the future. You might see a little bit more of the lager and pilsners and all that. Mm-hmm. And actually, Tom over at Penrose, he, he told me, no, because it's going to be a little, too much of a process for, for a lot of those people and the lagering tanks and all that and...
1: Yeah, it's also, I mean, it is time-consuming, yeah. you know. if going to be brewed cold for a lager, right? Yeah, yeah so the fermentation temperature... Up, so, ales are typically between, let's call it 65 and 80 degrees, depending on what you're doing. Excuse me, how many esters you God want to damn toss it. in there. it.
0: You ruined yeah. the whole thing. Uh,
1: <laughs> I know. It's a good thing we have editing software. No, we're not is, editing that. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, sure is, we're not. This is all raw. That's fair. Um, anyway, yeah, so it's... You ferment lagers, the high range of the yeast I use is 55 degrees, usually fermented around 52, a little bit of a slower process for it to ferment, and then, so that's two weeks, which is what our typical time in the tank is for most of our beers, but then we have to lager it for another three weeks, which is dropping it down to 40 to 45 degrees. (laughs) And after that, it has to come up for a diacetyl rest to at least 60 degrees for 24 hours. This time of year, it's so cold in here, that process of just rising up usually takes four or five days. Um, summertime, it comes up a little bit quicker, but, and then crash it back down. So total time in the tank, you're probably talking about six weeks when it's normally two weeks for an ale. Yeah, you're just tying up space and
0: yeah. rotating things is I mean, what's how how tight is the schedule for you guys? It's fairly tight. But you know? got some space but but you still you got beers that you need to have on tap so you got to brew those, right? I mean, yeah,
1: especially like now that we're distributing, like there're now three beers that I can't run out of. If I run out of them, I've got an angry supplier and they've got angry customers. <clears throat> you know, we run the risk of losing tap handles at places that we're, you know, selling our beer at. So it's
0: almost like you've done this type of thing before, because I just want to talk to you about distribution. So, so <laughs> where did that where did that start?
1: Um, so this system, we knew it was going to be just a little too big to really produce for a pub. So we knew we were going to want to distribute, just you know, so we can keep moving things along at peak capacity and peak efficiency that and honestly like for and this holds true for any brewery it's not like i'm spilling a secret we make most of our money in our own tap rooms we're selling the beer at retail there that's how we stay afloat distribution is nice we get you know make a little bit of our income on that but mostly distribution is kind of a form of marketing so the more i distribute i get my name out there the more people go oh hey migraine let's go pop out there this weekend and have lunch or something
0: yeah, and, and, you know, let's say, well, it's actually pretty fitting that we're t- that I thought of this example, but uh, you talk about a place like Cardinal. Cardinal's got a—Cardinal Liquor Depot and Joliet's got a huge amount of space for a lot of craft beers and a lot of shelving space, and I see you guys in there. Mm-hmm. And just so happens you guys are did a collaboration recently with them. Is yeah. That right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we, you know— there, there are local craft beer store. They are the closest ones to us, and you know, day one they were in here supporting us. And they're, you know, shout out to Amar and all the guys over there. They are absolutely awesome. They really know their craft beer.
0: They're always awesome to me when I go in there. I mean, I went in there the one day, with VSOD hit mm-hmm. the shelves, and I ran in there. You know, I instantly beer geek, and he said, "You got to go get a four pack." Yeah, and I forgot my wallet. You know, and he had, me and I got my five-year-old son with me, you know, and he's like, I'll hold it for you, don't worry. You know, let me go get my, you know, hit the ATM, come back. They're good people over there. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they they do, they, you wouldn't expect it from a a local liquor store that's been there for as long as they have, like, they were there kind of before the craft, the big craft beer, you know. Yeah, I know it's, uh, they've transitioned well, I feel
1: like. I am, I am so terrible with names, but I know, you know, their, their dad owns the liquor store. He's run it for years, and you know now his sons are kind of leaning into this whole craft beer thing, as he calls it, and doing really well with it. So it's it's become kind of a multi generational family business over there. And you know, for a liquor store that's a kind of franchised sort of place, it's really interesting to see what they've done with their version of it.
0: Right, it's kind of cool too, because for me, you know, you're, I'm just not used to that scene in in my town. Usually, mm-hmm. like I got to go to iron and glass. I got to go to, you know, get out to open bottle or get to, get to these bottle shops. Well, it's cool when I go up to a Joliet liquor store in Cardinal and I see a line of people waiting for some release. Yeah. You know, and, and well, actually CBS release, you guys were there. You guys were handing out samples of your beer and that was the first time I tasted migraine brewing. So. Yeah, and
1: that was kind of how we, you know, first got involved with them. They were the first customer to, you know, buy our cans and put them on the shelf and they said, hey, you know, we're the first you want to maybe like come out and do samples like looked at the calendar for what was coming up on the week like oh cbs release is coming out yeah i'll stand in that line and uh you know hand samples out to people looking for stouts so
0: you know people were there man they were were in there in droves yeah they got a lot of it which was cool man it's good to see that they got a good good size of it so what was the beer that you guys did together
1: um so well just to back up a little bit, the beer that they really were flying through was Stateville Stout, which is our chocolate stout. It's really big, sweet. Is that
0: what you just brewed? Yeah. Is that, that what you were just cleaning? <laughs> yeah, that
1: was the one that I was just talking about. <laughs> well, we, we can talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, so Stateville Stout, they were really plowing through it. The guys really love it. And I'm like, hey, so, you know, we we're talking about doing a collab. Would you be interested in maybe like doing a variant on this? Like, yeah, sure, but, I mean, to really make it worthwhile and interesting, you know, let's bump up the alcohol a little bit, you know. I've got to make the beer big enough that it's going to stand up to some extra flavors being added in there. And, you know, me and Vince were kind of just shooting the shit with them, figuring out what do we want to do, and Vince is like, well, you know, when I was homebrewing, I did a Rocky Road stout. Would that be something you'd be interested in doing? I'm like Yeah, sure, why not? So everybody really liked the idea or figured out how to get that marshmallow flavor in there which marshmallow is just vanilla so you know vanilla and a couple other little herbs that were thrown in there that I'm you know going to keep that on a under to myself and then a little bit of a walnut flavor too so will um sorry,
0: my wait. initial thought was uh the mar- seen the marshmallow man on the logo when they posted it my initial thought right off the bat was um, fun size um, yeah, yeah, I was thinking Pollyanna fun size. I was thinking, um, oh geez, what are some of the the uh, Dino s'mores? Mm-hmm. off color, like that. It, very exciting to see that on there, and plus. The marshmallow guy is awesome. So
1: yeah, we you know hopefully we made it different enough that I'm yeah, not that gonna unit. get a phone call with a cease and desist. But ev-
0: every brewery I've talked to has had some version of this. You know, Pineapple Express at Workforce. Yeah, I think uh, Captain Sirius was a uh, that West Coast that uh, hailstorm did. They end up changing it to Pacific Rim eventually. You know? Yeah, well uh,
1: you know if it it helps to at least call and ask first because um, nine times out of ten no one's gonna say no. But they're gonna be pissed that you didn't ask. It would actually with it was our first cease and desist that we got here, and it's why I it was a little touchy about the Stateville, Statesville earlier. Um, ah, okay. so when the Cardinal Liquor guys initially made that post, they he guy mistyped and he called it Escape from Statesville. Statesville is a haunted prison that, you know, we all know and love. It's been a local institution for years, mm. but They've built that brand up, and rightfully so. They want to defend it. So we immediately got a phone call from them, like, "Hey, what the hell's going on? You got to change this." Didn't amount to you know legal action or anything like that because we're all local people. We're all able to work stuff out. But yeah, I mean, it, it
0: like Stateville,
1: yes, Stateville. And then they're like, "Well, hey, just so you know, State of Illinois owns the uh, owns Stateville prison." Like, no. Oh. According to the US trademark patent database, they don't own shit. So, and, and unfortunately, that's what I have to go off of. So, yeah. it's one of those things where. You uh, tried, man. Yeah. But, yeah, it's unfortunately in an industry where there are so many different products and they all have to get names. Well, there's only what six thousand breweries in the
0: country now.
1: Yeah, and if you figure every one of them even only has, if you're being mod- you know, yeah. conservative about your calculations, yeah, if, like if twenty each, beers, yeah, yeah, I mean, even more conservative than that, if every one of them has five beers, you know,
0: I think uh, I just had Metal Monkey the earlier this week, and they said that when they opened, they opened their now Furious George, what used to be called Monkey Knife Fight, yeah, and, and that also got a mm-hmm. cease and desist type uh, reaction to it. Yeah, but that brewery has since closed, and they are trying to obtain that name.
1: Yeah, um, and yeah, actually, you know, we've I've got an example of that where it did work. Uh, the Pilcher's Pale Ale was um, there was a brewery that used to be open in uh, Plainfield called Limestone. I'm old friends and with it's the brewery there. Nevins now,
0: right? Nevins.
1: Um, so location wise, yeah, location, yeah. Nevins is there now, but originally Limestone was there, and I'm old friends with the brewer in the same homebrew club together it, you know, uh, we go way back and he had a beer called Pilcher's pale ale. And it was the first IPA that I had that I was like, Oh wow, that's okay. I get it. I get why everyone likes these beers. That's awesome. So that was kind of my like kind of secret surprise for him was, you know, he showed up for opening night. I was like, Hey, where'd you get that name from? You. Yeah.
0: Um, You got me. It's you.
1: But yeah, it was, you know, it was one of those things where we wanted to where you know, I, I called his previous owners like, hey, you guys don't have a brewery anymore. Do you care? like, no, go for it. Like, that's fine. Yeah, like, what am I going to do? Monetize a name that no one's going to use if I don't let you use it? Go for it.
0: Yeah, it's cool, too, um, especially, I mean, I guess it's only cool because I'm local, but, you know, when you, you see those kind of things slapped on a beer label, Kind of nice, yeah.
1: yeah. And we we try to sneak a lot of local references into our name. Some of them are obvious, like you know, Stateville Stout. Obviously, is a local reference that anybody who's seen the Blues Brothers will get. Um, Pilcher's Pale Ale. You might not get if you're not a local. It's a it's a park that's around yeah. here in Julia. Oh,
0: my family takes pictures there all the time.
1: Yeah, and then a uh, city of stone and. I'm
0: just making I'm asking you to tilt your mic towards you. I just want to make sure I'm getting you a little more of you. There Sorry me. about that. Oh, now you're getting crazy. No, no, you're good.
1: You're good. Um yeah, uh Iron and Steel and City of Stone, which is our double IPA that you had before, and then our Saison. Those are both nicknames that City of Joliet's had at one point or another. Or, you know, Iron and Steel refers to the old iron and steel works that used to be here. Uh what did uh what did she just bring you?
0: What are you sipping on over there? It's the Pilsner. It's the pills. It looks yeah. like a pills. And it's in a Pilsner glass, so yeah, it makes sense. Funny how that works out. It's uh, all right. What am I drinking again? What's my last one here? Uh, Weizen. I believe have- you got the Weizenbach. Yeah, the Weizenbach. You gotta say cooler. Yeah, you, you gotta
1: do. you gotta add a little bit of V to that W. Yeah, the Weizenbach. There we yeah. go.
0: And that's uh, talk about that beer style. That's not one that I drink quite often. So that it it almost I don't want to say like Berliner wise, but I got like some some of those notes to it. Just a lot more. Lot bigger you mean you have a Hefeweizen? No, I was thinking, like, a, almost, not a
1: sour, but, like, a, it, it had just some upfront notes that I was getting off of. Yeah, you get those, like, kind of big wheat notes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, anytime you see Weiss or Weizen in a beer name, it's a German or Belgian or just Central European wheat beer. Um, Weizenbach is a wheat Bach beer. Bach beer is the German equivalent of Imperial, so... Is a strong wheat beer. It's essentially half a vice, non-steroids. You get those kind of same like banana, vanilla, clove notes to it, a little bit more subdued because um, it's got it's all really that good. big malty yeah. sweetness to it. And you know, instead of being like a wimpy little like four percent summer beer, it's a nice eight percent winter warmer. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I it's not a style that I usually attract to in a menu, and and it's. Yeah, and, and it's, really, really it's not a
1: style that's really caught on in America at all, but it's something that I like, and, you know, everybody that I put it in front of, like, oh, this is great. What is this? Oh, it's an old traditional German style?
0: Yeah. Look at that. So you got, it, the one I had before this was the uh, porter. Did that porter have, like, a smoke profile in it? It almost has, like, a, not, a little not bit smoke, of roasted but, malt but, like, in right. it. Yeah, it's just, like, extra roast to it.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, very traditional porter. We didn't want to go too chocolatey or too strong on the coffee notes to it. Um, just wanted to go straight traditional porter, get those roast characters in there. Um got a little bit of a Excuse me, a little bit of a dry finish to it. Um but, you know, it, like to style. Like if you put any of our beers in front of a BJCP judge, they're going to tell you that that is our best one. Which nice. <laughs> you know, it's it's nice. But as much as people say they like porters, it's our worst seller.
0: Yeah, I, I see that. You know, because, well, I think a lot of the industry and a lot of the, the guys like me are, you know, you're so tunnel visioned into IPA or stout. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, you're going to have a double IPA, an IPA, a stout, a New England style, an imperial stout, uh, you know, something barrel aged.
1: Yeah, and people treat porters like, you know, like, like they treat ESBs. You know, it's an ESB is the, you know, dumpy looking cousin of the IPA.
0: I've had some really bad ESBs, and I've had some ones that I'm like, oh, what is this? You know, you you don't know that style as well. But, again, that's, like, what you're saying. like They're not prominent in the industry, so you don't get to try, like, the best quality ones all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, a few months back, me and the girlfriend took a trip over to Europe and stopped in London. and Just a casual
0: trip to Europe. Yeah. Jet setter. Dan Rosenberg, everyone. Hey, you know,
1: it. It's something that she's been wanting to do for forever. He had his pinky
0: up the whole time he said that, just so. Yes,
1: you, know. you know, we flew first class on Virgin yeah. America, He's drinking <laughs> his Pilsner. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we our, our first stop was in London, which there is no city that is better to be jet lagged in. Like it, you know, they all speak English, the tube makes sense, and there's a pub on every corner. It's fantastic. It's home. So, yeah. So, you know, go into four or five beers or four or five pubs, get a different cask ESB at every one and it's fantastic. We just yeah. we just before, don't do before them all Before over you here. go
0: farther, the, the, explain uh cask. I feel like you know a lot of people that are going to listen to this aren't aren't deep into it. When I hear the, you know, ask what's on cask today, that that's it's more like a warmer serve of yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: so when you hear people bitching that they went over to London and the beer was warm, Typically, it was served in a cask, and it's not warm. It's just, you know, it's not 32 degrees like, like 15, people are used to. It. Yeah, it's usually at right. about 50. It's just in, you know, it's it's kind of white wine drinking temperature. You know, sometimes it'll be up at room temp, but, you know, it, it really depends on the beer. Okay. Um, but cask beer is beer that is naturally carbonated in the serving vessel. And then, you know, occasionally brewers will throw something extra in the cask. So think of it like... Um, for the home brewers out there, think of it like how you how you condition your bottles at home. You, know, you when you're going into your bottling bucket, you throw in a little bit of extra sugar and, if necessary, a little bit of extra yeast. Then you throw it in a package that's sealed up. Well, that yeast is going to create a little bit more alcohol, but it's also going to create carbonation. And since you're in a sealed container at that point, that carbonation has nowhere to go, so it goes into solution. And that's how people have carbonated beer since you know the beginning of carbonated beer. You know, we didn't always have the ability to force carbs, so that's how we did it. Um, So when you're doing it in a cask, that's really just the traditional way of doing it. Um, Natural carbonation does have a little bit of a different flavor to it. It's also usually a little bit less carbonation than we're used to seeing. Um, Here in America, beer is typically carbonated at um, 2.5 to 3 volumes of CO2. For cask beer, it's probably down more around like 2 to 2.5. Um, still enough that you'll get some fizz, get some aromatics, but not like we're used to seeing here where it's, you know, super carbonated and You feel it like dancing around on your tongue.
0: Now, what about a, a firkin? What's, is that a similar?
1: Firkin is a cask that's about 15 gallons. Okay, just a... Small yeah, if cab. you ever, yeah, if you ever hear, love people
0: hammer those uh, mm-hmm. the taps into them.
1: Yeah, firkin's, firkin. refers to the size, not the type of okay. vessel, but it is a cask. And a, novice a, beer
0: stuff right here. Yeah,
1: and then a, a pin is, I believe, eleven gallons. There's yeah. a little bit of variance from country to country, manufacturer to manufacturer, but
0: I've seen some some fun stuff in like firkins. I walked in, a, I think, Alter Brewing one day in Downers, and they had like a. Almost like an infusion piece on the outside of the the, the furkin, so the line was running through basically like this infuser of uh, uh, like jalapeno, you know, some sort of a pepper mix. Uh, okay, what's it a, comes it out like a Randall? Sure, I don't know. Oh, that, okay, it's a good point. I don't I don't know, but, um, but I saw a firkin resting on the counter, and it had this hose running in through the, the through this uh, little it almost hmm. reminded me of like those infuser pitchers that you can buy where you put some fruit in and put some water in, in and okay. in there but but it had like a solution with with peppers and some other you know some of like lemons and things in there and it was running Sugar. through that
1: before it hit the pour okay. so it was kind of trying to infuse it i guess with a little flavor yeah i've i've never seen a Randall very interesting hooked up to a firkin. i mean i'm i could i could be wrong it could be a Randall. You're right. right like yeah, I'm, i said no, you're I'm, novice I'm, with, paying, when it I'm, comes to the I'm also, the tools of the trade. I'm also sure there's a way to do it. You know, it <laughs> yeah, you right. Know, it, someone has Somebody figured Somebody will this figure out. that out. Yeah. Um, typically, if you're going to infuse flavors into a cask, you'll just throw whatever you want in in the cask when you right. close it. Just to
0: add junk, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like,
1: you know, it, it's... It's kind of the most boring thing that you'll ever see added in, but my favorite is always to just throw more hops in. You just get more of those oils, more a little there's bit. Nothing of extra boring oil.
0: about that. <laughs> dry dry hop the hell out of it. All yeah,
1: right. it's you know it's essentially just a second dry hop. But you know the thing that we kind of have to look out for here in the states is there's a lot of what in the industry we call fakins, which is where someone just they took their already carbonated finished beer out of their bright tank and instead of putting it into a keg, they put it into a firkin with different flavors and then say, okay, well that's cask beer. It's not cask beer. It, for it to be cask beer it has to be naturally carbonated in that vessel. Otherwise you've essentially just thrown shit into a keg and you're pouring it in a really ineffic- inefficient way.
0: Yeah. See, this this is very good. See, this I need, I need this kind of information. So all right. Well, something that we we slightly touched on with uh, when we talked about your double IPA. Um, pretty much every every episode, I have to have at least you know a couple minutes on the subject. The New England style double dry hops, You know, I don't know what you would like to what people like to call them. Like, what's your stance? What's your, what's your feeling on them?
1: Um, hey, I mean, the first time I ever had Hetty Topper, I thought it was great too. It's great beer. But yeah. yeah. I mean, they, you know, them and, you know, a few other breweries out there. Um, Treehouse. Yeah, and Treehouse maybe. and all them. Yeah, they they pioneered this style. You know, it's, every beer style came from somewhere. You know, I'm not going to fault other breweries for jumping on this style. I think it's a great, tasty style. You know, yep. West Coast IPA came from a couple breweries out on the West Coast that were like, hey, we've got all these great citrusy hops, and we love Maris Otter. Let's... yeah
0: that dank, you know? Give me some of that, that dank on the end, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as far as... Everyone around doing them, you know, I I see, you know, as with all booms, you see a lot of people doing it well, and you see a lot of people doing it poorly. That's the thing, is people get blinded by what the thing is, but not
0: the execution of the thing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's,
1: and right now we're at that point where, unless it's a New England style IPA from a brewery that I trust to do it well, I will typically avoid it, because, you know, like I said, there's a lot of really bad ones out there, but there's a lot of really amazing ones out there, too, so.
0: Yeah, I think, I think like, Noon Whistle probably got me my first, you know, I mean, aside from Hetty Topper, you know, mm-hmm. a, a legend like that, you know, but but Noon Whistle, when they started doing their gummy series, that was kind of like my introduction to it locally where I could buy it off of, you know, right at the brewery, uh, but it's kind of evolved for me from there. I mean, and I'm still in it. I still like it. I still love, like, what Microphone's doing and, yeah. you know, a lot of the, the, that more brewing out in Villa Park. I like some of the double dry hop stuff that he's doing out there. Um, but I've gotten so many, it's a, it's like a, you know, it's, it's a very polarizing topic, I feel like, in in the beer world. Mm. People love it, and most people love it. I mean, in most of your normal day-to-day craft beer geeks, they like the, the New England style, but you talk to some of the brewers and they're Kind of like, eh, you know, I wish people would stop, you know, I wish people would, or, or execute it better, or not use it as a crutch kind of kind of thing. Yeah,
1: you know, there's, you know, there's so many places that do it well, or, you know, don't quite understand what makes a New England IPA a New England IPA, and they just, you know, do what they think it is, and don't really put the work into, you know, actually figuring it out. You know, the, the running joke a lot of brewers will say, like, oh, it's just an IPA with flour in it. No, it's It's not. That's, that's not what makes it what it is, but, it you know, a, a lot of breweries will then go out and say, okay, well, I'm going to just brew an IPA, and I'm going to throw a bunch of wheat in it. Like, yeah, you should have some wheat and some oats in there. That that gives it that body and that pillowy mouth feel, but that's not what makes it a cloudy beer. What makes it a cloudy beer is Conan yeast. It's a shitty flocculating yeast. And it just keeps it, yeah, it's it's like, you know looks like unfiltered to the the non, you know, beer guy. It's the same principle as a Hefeweizen. You know, what makes a Hefeweizen cloudy is really crappy yeast that just doesn't drop out of suspension. It's, you know, it it creates great flavors, but the side effect is you get something that's kind of gross, Uh, you know, just really cloudy looking.
0: All right, so... So that style, we got that out of the way. Let's let's talk a little bit more about migraine itself. I mean, uh, you got you got things on the horizon. You wanna you wanna talk about? You got beers coming down the line. I mean, are there certain styles you're gravitating towards? Do you have a barrel age thing coming anytime? Or, you know? <laughs>
1: um, well, yeah, we you know that's a hot button. Uh, yeah, we we actually just did a collaboration with a local homebrew club uh, called Pale. They're the Plainfield Homebrew Club. Shout out to those guys. Oh, okay. Um, we just did a barley wine with them that you know every year or so all the members pitch in they buy a barrel from uh, one of the big local group buys and find a local brewery to collaborate with um this year is the first year i was open so they chose me i'm going to take part of that batch put it in their barrel and then the rest of the batch i'm going to put in my own barrels they'll you know we'll sell them theirs and uh Do
0: do you have barrels hiding around here yeah, is there some like uh, like some secret storage we didn't see when we walked uh, through? I'll yeah, come? they
1: they were in back. Okay. You just didn't see them. I didn't see them. All right. What I've you... also um the Belgian quad that's on tap right now. Half of that batch went into barrels. Um let's see what else. Gonna, you know, it, uh, the the unfortunate thing is it takes time to do these things. Oh yeah. Um a lot of people were showing up to opening weekend like, you don't have any barrel aged stuff on tap. What the hell? Like Yeah, that, that's uh, it takes like 9 uh, months. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, I don't know, I would question that person for asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but Anyways, go on, go
1: on. Um, but yeah, right now the plan is once a month we brew something that's going to go into barrels, so when that time eventually comes around, once a month we'll be able to do a barrel at least. And we'll always try and time it so it's seasonal. Like for spring, summer, I know somewhere in there I'm going to have a gin barrel-aged saison on tap. You know, we're not just going to do the typical bourbon barrel stuff. We're going to try and keep it fun and interesting.
0: Yeah. Now, do you? I'm not. I should probably shouldn't ask if you get into. I'm sure you like uh, some forms of sours, uh, things yeah. like that. I mean, is that is that in the in the works? Maybe. It's.
1: I mean, it's Something in the wild. plan. Um, I'm a really big fan of the traditional sours, not the kettle sours. We'll we'll do some kettle sour stuff. You know, can you talk about summertime. the difference
0: between the two? Because even for myself, I mean, I'm I'm a little difference sure. between a kettle sour versus a traditional or a wild ale.
1: Yeah. Um. All right, so I'll give you the two kind of flagpole examples of the two. Um, a good example of a Kettle Sour would be a Berliner Weiss. Um, it is, it's very tart, but it's very one note. Um, the process is, you, you, know, you go through your typical brewing process and then you add your bacteria into the boil kettle before you boil, let it go through, do its thing, create lactic acid, and then you boil it off. Um, The reason a lot of breweries in America will do kettle sours is because it's, since you're then boiling, it's safe to use the rest of your brewing equipment. You don't have any live bacteria in there. Um, But if you want to really get into it and do the other flagpole, which would be, I would say, I would say a goose is the... Other big flagpole um, sour kind on the other drives side. That
0: crazy. Goose, Goza, Goose, like, I've heard it called so many things. Uh, well, huh? so
1: you're talking about different beer styles.
0: Are they? Oh, so Goza is different than a Goose. Yeah,
1: uh, Goze...
0: It's like Sorry. a geese and a goose here. I mean, wow. yeah. So
1: G O S E. That's another kettle sour. It's a kettle sour that's brewed with sea salt and coriander, which and you can
0: find in a lot of shelves. Like there's there's some local. Yeah, there, Anderson Valley does it. a blood orange goes. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. you know it's tasty. It's fun. But again, that sour element to it is very one note. The more the traditional long sours, those beers get brewed. Um, They'll usually get pitched with a wild culture. In the case of a goose, it'll be a completely wild inoculation. They'll just, you know, leave it in an open tank overnight, and whatever floats in there floats in there. Um, but generally, it's yeast along with uh, ices, which is another form of yeast, Pediococcus, and Lactobacillus. Most
0: people see that as Brett on certain things. Yeah. Brett.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you ever see Brett, stands for Britannomyces. It's just a. Uh, you know, in the yeast family tree, Saccharomyces is what most alcoholic beverages are done with. Britannomyces is its, you know, dumb redneck cousin. You know, creates those kind of weird, like horse blankety flavors. But Britannomyces has the added benefit of pulling out some off flavors that regular yeast doesn't use, which is why it's used in sour making. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, that that longer process, like if you're going to do a real traditional Belgian goose, it's a three-year process because it's a blend of one, two, and three-year-old beer. But it really takes that full first year for those barrels or whatever you're fermenting in to really kind of come into their own and for the flavors to finish developing. Otherwise, it's a constant back-and-forth in the culture of creating, like, kind of a weird, snotty, gross, off flavor flavor. Then the Bertantium Ices will clean it up. Then it just it goes back and forth until it finds its equilibrium. But that equilibrium is much more deep and complex than your typical kettle sour.
0: So is that, um, you hear the word like spontaneous? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Spontaneous is a, it's another way of saying wild. It just means, well, wild in America doesn't really mean wild anymore. It means those yeasts are traditionally wild. But spontaneous means you threw it out there in an open tank and whatever landed in it, that's what fermented it. Okay. Now, you know, it's... That's the legend and the lore behind it. The real truth is if you go to Goose Breweries in Belgium, yeah, they're thrown in open containers and whatever yeast and bacteria falls in, falls in. But they're open containers in breweries, in spaces that are controlled inoculated. Environments they're not like controlled environments. I mean, they still open the windows and all that, okay. but... It's, it's breweries that they've been brewing these beers for forever. All these bacteria, like it's in the beams and the floorboards, it's in everything already. It's already in the barrels that they're gonna be using. So, you know, it's, it maybe the first couple times it was really whatever fell in there. And I'm sure some stuff still flies in through the window and you get some wild yeast strains, but really that's what's happening now. Back in the day, it would be from valley to valley, monastery to monastery they didn't have yeast cultures that, you know, you could just go buy a pitch of like we do now. It was really whatever floated in there and was what floated in there. So the monastery in this valley might have different yeast floating around than the monastery two valleys over. So that'd be how you'd get different yeast strains, different styles. And then you eventually got to Sours. You know, the monks in Flanders Whatever landed in their beer was a lot of lactobacillus and pediococcus.
0: See, now you're talking about this, I feel almost guilty for drinking a pale ale. Just a regular old, (laughs) hoppy pale ale. And um, now I'm having the Pilcher's pale ale. This feels like this would bring people in the door. It's, it's It's very well done. It's very clean. But it's still got that nice hot bill of a person that prefers craft beer over, you know, Coors and Miller.
1: Yeah, and again, it's it's just a solid IPA. You know, we didn't want to come out with you know it, this was one of the first five beers that we had. And you crushed that beer. I mean, you could
0: yeah. you know, play in the summer playing bags. You know, in the middle of a parking lot at a you know a Soldier Field or something. You know, you could have three or four of these. You'd be good.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, this is the batch of beer that I have done the most changing to from batch to batch, and I'm the only person that notices. But <laughs> that's awesome. I see. I
0: like I like to hear that because you know a lot of people. I'm trying to reproduce the same thing over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that you're actually tweaking it
1: is yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, once we get to a certain point where we're happy with it and we like it, we'll stop changing it. Like, the Stateville Stout, that beer stays the same. Like, we, we're happy with that. We're fine. This beer, I, you know, truth be told, I absolutely hated the first batch. I talked to the owners about possibly dumping it, but... You know no, we, no, no. no we. Uh, anytime I'm gonna dump something, it's gonna go through the entire process and get on tap, and then we're gonna dump it because you never know what's gonna change from process to process, um, or even just the difference between a uncarbonated beer and a carbonated beer. It like that one little aspect is a world of difference. But you know we threw it on, and it was like, all right, it's fine. It'll you know, for our opening batch of pale ale. This whole, you know, tried it out with a couple different people I knew were big IPA fans. Like, yeah, this is fine. You know, you don't have to dump this. So we know it's not your best work, but.
0: We know you got more more in the tank than that, but yeah. So you got, all this, you got all this going now. You got this big space, this beautiful place. They got food. I've heard a lot about the food. How familiar are you with the food? I mean, I eat
1: I'm it just, every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to ask the brewer about the food, but I mean, I got to. I'm telling you, I've heard so many good things about eating here.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, me and the chef kind of have a running joke that everybody comes up to him and tells him how great the beer is, and everyone comes up to me and tells me how great the food is. Oppo every time. Yeah, it's, you know, he'll show up on Monday. Now, is man. he cleanly shaven and you are fully bearded? He, he's got a little bit of fuzz on there, yeah, but it's not much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I could see. I could see through your eyes; it wouldn't be much, even <laughs> if it was like you know lumberjackian. But yep. so so food, food, good reception, and obviously you said you've been sampling it, obviously for quality purposes. Oh, of just, course. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, that you know, I, I work at a restaurant; I gotta eat something for lunch. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, everything you know, we we really went out of our way to make sure it's it's uh, not I run-of-the-mill know. tavern food. You know, as no. far as I can see from the menu, and you know if if me and the owners, we kind of had that conversation initially when I came on board and even before when it was just me and Vince talking back at my old brewery, um, you know, you can, you can open a brew pub and just have the, you know, crappy frozen U S foods thrown in a deep fryer. And yeah, we've got cheese sticks and hot wings and a couple crappy burgers, or, but you really don't want to give people that excuse of, you know, well, you know, I'd like that brewery, but the food's really crappy. Like, no, if we're going to, and also, like, if we're going to be a craft brewery, why would we not have well crafted food as well? You know, and, you know I, I had a couple conversations with um, with the guys from De Steel when we were in our opening process. And when they were opening their pubs down there, that was something they focused on a lot, too. Because if we're in an artisan industry, there's no reason everything about it shouldn't be artisan.
0: It's, a, again, quality. I mean, y- y- you want to make sure that your beer is quality, but I, I mean, just from talking to you from beforehand and during the podcast, you've mentioned multiple times of making sure that the staff on day one was properly trained as a server, not just as having beer knowledge, but also you know, kind of the whole logistics of being a food slash beer server. So mm-hmm. it, that attention to detail, I think, plays plays a lot into a place being successful and everything kind of tying together. Yeah, absolutely. Once, once you get that full mesh of Man, the food's good. Some pretty damn good beers on tap. It's like it's a pretty much a no-brainer, if it's yeah. especially if you're in Joliet on Friday trying to figure out what you're gonna do tonight. I mean, it seems to work out quite well. So, uh, what other events you guys got on tap here?
1: Uh yeah. Well, actually, coming up, we've got our first beer dinner, and I'm just gonna grab my. Just
0: gonna. He's
1: yeah. I'm. He's knows all this off the top of his head.
0: He's not oh. looking at his phone. So uh, absolutely. So we got a beer dinner. Did you guys play did you and the chef kinda of play you know you play that game like what pairs well?
1: Yeah, um so previous uh previous places I've been, beer dinner's always part of it, you know. Whenever you're distributing, you'll always have someone who wants to do one. So I you know doing them once a month or so. I got pretty good at figuring out pairings. That, and part of this job is also just having a good palate anyway, so.
0: Yeah, is pairing, yeah, is
1: that, is that I have a good palate, or is that trial and error? I mean, is it a little mixture of both? I mean, so I can tell you what I do, but really it varies from person to person. For me, it's it, it's really just having a developed palate. Um, you know, I I know my beers, I know what flavors are in them, and I can identify those flavors, and I know... What's going to be a nice contrast with food? I know it's going to be a nice complement with certain foods. Um, chef's the same way. He's you know he comes from a place where he did a bunch of wine dinners, which is same thing. You're you're you sample the wine, you sample the food, you figure out what's going to pair well with what. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really in depth thing. We you know before we even announced this, we had. Four or five meetings going back and forth, trying different foods and different beers, and just making sure that what matches up on paper really matches up with the food as well
0: so you got dates and stuff in front yeah, of you now, yeah, yeah. A, you know magic
1: phone finally decided magic to of the turn interwebs on. uh yeah, so february twenty first it's our first beer dinner um, it's fifty bucks ahead, starts at seven thirty. If you want to bring someone who's not a drinker, you get a ten dollars discount for no booze. But why know, look would at you? that! Yeah, I mean, if you really want to come to a beer dinner and not experience the pairings, sure, you're more than welcome.
0: Yeah, but your food might be that good. So just just really I mean,
1: it, it is.
0: I'm not <laughs> going to lie. Might be that good that people will be like, I'm been a recovering alcoholic for years, but I gotta have that. I gotta have. What, what, what's your What's the big dish here? What's the big one?
1: Um. <sighs> There's yeah. a lot of them, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it really varies from person to person. Um, our, the signature burger, the Migraine burgers, is best seller, probably. Migraine Burger, of yeah. course. Um, so all our burgers are um, they're a proprietary blend. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say what's yeah, in them. We won't
0: say it. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, I mean, it's it starts off with, like, a really delicious patty. Um, then the Migraine Burger has a tomato bacon jam on it, some cheese, um and then oh god what's the uh tomato bacon
0: jam sounds pretty awesome yeah
1: the tomato bacon jam is awesome and then a little bit of goat cheese on it a little bit of arugula add that spice yeah. note like, yeah there
0: you go yeah um,
1: yeah it's hey,
0: you're not gonna put uh shredded uh lettuce on there no <laughs> you don't no, need no.
1: iceberg lettuce on, on there no and it's you know it's just a phenomenal burger um other than that I have the weeds we have octopus on the menu, which Okay, all right. No, yeah. before you
0: even go on about that, I want you to finish that thought, but I, I call my, my dear friend Kyle. He's been here and eaten here and it, and I told him I was doing this tonight and he was gonna come along and sit in with us, but he, he couldn't make it and he said, Hey, ask him about the octopus. Yeah. He said, But you gotta call it I don't know. You you go you
1: Um, so again, I'm I'm not the chef. He could describe the food a lot better than I could. Um, But it's just, it's a, you know, baby octopus that it's super tender and delicious. Like octopus, like I'm used to, you know, going to Chinatown and getting some, you know, octopus dim sum or sushi or something. And it is tough and chewy and just kind of Still delicious, but... (laughs) Yeah, it you know, delicious, but got a weird texture thing going. Um, The octopus we're using, it's super tender. So you get all that, like, kind of awesome, interesting flavor that... It's, How much do
0: you know about your chef? So you've got some back channels that you may not know about. He's getting some, um, getting some uh some off the market stuff here. So
1: <laughs> it's uh I can tell you that the octopus we get is not the typical like off the rack stuff. Um we've got a supplier that has uh you know, they do some really special interesting stuff. But yeah, it's you know, it's like all the pluses and none of the minuses with that dish. It's really good and Crazy. you know. It like that was always... think I'm
0: gonna go to the brewery, I got get that octopus tonight.
1: Yeah, and it was one of those things that we kinda we threw on the opening menu and we're like, well, we all like this, but we don't know what to expect and it is like the most common comment we get is like I had that octopus and it's fucking amazing. It's
0: hilarious. Like, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't I would never yeah, the burger obviously, you know guys get in there and they're like,
1: eh, let's have a burger. Like,
0: yeah. I'm scared of the stuff in the other stuff. Yeah, but the octopus, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Um other than that, I mean the the steak here is awesome, but, you know, as, as long as you're getting good steaks and you got chefs that know how to cook as, it.
0: As long as it's prepped right. I mean, as long as everything's done right, it's it's phenomenal. I am looking over you, uh, looking to my side here, and I'm tap handles for days. You said 20? Yeah. 20?
1: Yeah. So the main bar, I've got 20 tap handles. One of them's just a, you know, gas flush for our crowler filler, and then I've got another four taps over on our sidebar here, so... Total capacity, if you take out that nitro line, is 23 taps.
0: Ooh, Man, That sounds that sounds like a good day right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and well, and yeah. how
0: many of them are filled right now and regularly?
1: Um, so right now I have, I think at last count I had 16 different beers. Um, so, you know, a couple of them that are up there are repeats of just the, you know, good sellers. You know, on a Saturday night, we don't want the bartenders to be standing in line for one tap. Um, they'll eventually all be filled with different beer. But that's kind of, you know, the big reason why I wanted to go to a brew pub for my next step instead of, you know, going to another production brewery that has a tap room, is this having 23 taps that I have to fill myself means that I have to personally know how to brew a wide variety of beers and execute them well. It's a great way to, you know, grow as a brewer and just really get good at your craft. You don't want
0: 16 pale ales and then, like, two stouts and a porter, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's nice, it's nice that I can come in here and try the, you know, these German-style beers. You said you just put the Pilsner on, you mm-hmm. know, they'll be Heffies, and, you know, it, it's, it's nice to have that variety. Yeah, absolutely. So, we talked a little bit about distribution. Let's talk to me about, uh, we talked about this a little bit before we came on, but... Uh, the fact that you can just buy a stole from you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, the regular... There's
0: a lot know. of dudes out there with kegerators that are, yeah, that the are average, thirsty for... for yeah, that, the for.
1: the average Joe, such as yourself, can come in and we sell six barrels, half barrels. Um, just, you know, ask the server what we currently have available. We don't necessarily always have everything, but we usually have almost everything we have on the menu available.
0: Sometimes kegs are like gold. I mean, you know, these mm-hmm. breweries, you know, they, they need those kegs, so it's like they... They're a little close to the about, and the beer, the supply of the beer is not always vast enough to where they can be like, yeah, take a $6 of it.
1: Yeah, it, look, if there's ever something that I don't have enough beer of to, you know, lose a $6 half barrel of, then I won't have those available for sale. It's as simple as that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we do our best to make sure that, hey, if someone wants it, there's no reason they can't buy it.
0: Yeah, if they like it that much, yeah,
1: yeah, They're able to have it. Yeah, I mean, like our, our most expensive half barrel was that wheel in the sky that we were talking about earlier, and you know, I think the second week it was on tap. I had someone just kind of jokingly ask, "Hey, can I buy a half barrel of it?" And we figured out the pricing on it. He was like, "Cool, I'll take it." Yeah, like yeah, if it, like I'm brewing simple. ten barrel batches here, there's no reason I can't spare a half barrel.
0: Yeah, simple. People to people, you figure the things out. You don't need to follow uh, guidelines and rules. Just mm-hmm. you want that? Oh, okay. Let's figure out a way to make that happen. Well, exactly. Why wouldn't you want to sell your beer? I mean, you're fighting to get it on tap handles. You're fighting to get it into stores. I mean, why wouldn't you want people to have it in their garage? You know. And yeah. Then,
1: I'm. I'm not in the business of creating obstacles for people to have beer. Yeah.
0: Nobody likes that. Yeah. So we'll, let's get into some of the dumb stuff when we wrap this up. So I'm real you, good at dumb stuff. Do, do, do you have like a you know like your like a go-to beer? Like your daily drinker versus like uh, your like you know, last day kind of beer uh, here or no, not just here. Okay. I do yeah. want to get in a little more about about your thoughts on your own beer, but right now let's, let's talk about some of the the stuff that got you into beer and then some of the stuff that you can't live without and some of the stuff that you just would be like, yeah, I could drink this every day.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, as as far as the stuff I can't live without, I mean, I, I like a wide variety. To me, that's the biggest thing. So as long as it's just, as long as it is a well-executed beer, that's my only criteria. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. doesn't have to be the greatest beer on the planet. You know, not every beer is going to be, you know, your first Westy 12.
0: But I think you, that reference just went over my head.
1: <laughs> you'll, you'll get there eventually. It's, okay. <laughs> it's widely regarded as the best beer in the world. Um, explain
0: what I'm sure people listening, were going to be like, yeah, duh, Joe, you know, you should know that one, but,
1: uh, Westy 12 is a, um, it's an Abbey ale from Belgium and, you know, for years it's been considered the best beer in the world. And, you know, to me, that's, that's subjective. The best beer in the world to you is whatever the best beer that your palate dictates is. But, you know, that being said, I've never had someone who's tried that beer and said, wow, that sucks. I don't want it.
0: And how do I obtain this beer?
1: Um, so <laughs> you go
0: fly first class over to... <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you can get it on the secondary market. It's not impossible to find, but it is kind of difficult to get. So it, it's, it's an Abbey Ale. Um, it is brewed by monks, and the only time that they brew this beer is when they need money. So, if, so it gets a little spotty in well, availability. Yeah, so the way that works out is they're in their monastery... If hey, we need to you know replace the windows this year, it's getting pretty cold, pretty drafty, okay, well, we need to brew you know two hundred barrels of Westie to do that that's what they do.
0: You may have just solved the education issue in america we can, teachers need to get together <laughs> and figure out how to brew the baddest beer on the planet exactly, I mean, hey, hey, guys, we need books this year, yeah, and okay, so that's kind of like your what you're the best that's that's like. Last beer that I'm ever gonna have. This is the
1: one. It, see, to me, no. I think it's an amazing beer. I um, absolutely love it. Uh, but you know, it it, it is it the, the the way I would describe it is it's a flawless beer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It is perfectly well executed every time I've had it. I'm sure, someone out there's had a bad bottle, and I'm sure you're gonna get an email about it. My but God,
0: this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Migraine sucks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it's. You know, it, it's a really good beer. Is it the last beer on the planet I want to have? No. That answer changes from day to day.
0: So what about your uh, daily available at your local, let's say, Juliet Cardinal Liquor?
1: What, what
0: are you grabbing? Well,
1: if, if it's at Cardinal Liquor, yeah. it's going to be Stateville Stouter or Pilto's Pale. Well,
0: once it's on the shelves, right? It is on the uh, shelves.
1: Okay. Oh, wait. No, that's your... Okay. I'm yeah. thinking of the
0: collaboration. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Otherwise, Escape from Stateville... Um, you know, I'm um, keep an eye on their Facebook and our Facebook. We'll announce it when it's coming out. Um, you know, right now I'm waiting on cans and all the uh, all the extra added ingredients to do their work, but should be ready. Hopefully, a little bit before the Super Bowl, if not right around. That's
0: there. awesome. Yeah, that beer we brewed uh, after the dry hop secondary fermentation. It's gonna be right around the Super Bowl. Yeah. Was, I'm a I'm a sports guy. I mean, sometimes you run into people in the beer industry that like I don't know what sports are anymore like you know because you guys run around so much and you're just so dedicated to what you're doing it's hard to have time to sit down and watch uh you know
1: yeah like honestly football is the only sport most of us can follow because winter's <laughs> the time weeks, of year
0: yeah. one well, week at a time
1: like it's also winter's the time of year when i don't have four beer fests i've got to be at every weekend you know, yeah,
0: so you actually get a shot. Yeah, yeah I mean, It's hard for you to file 162 games of baseball uh, while you're
1: yeah, I mean, getting I've, ready for Fobab or I something. I love the Cubs. It was nice to be able to That's sit good. down it really and It always feels watch. better when I have
0: a Cub fan in front of me.
1: Yeah, we, we try. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nothing against the White Sox fans. You should still listen. but uh.
1: Hey, you, you know you are great people. Got a nice know.
0: farm system, thanks to us, coming up. But
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, God willing, you'll get a new general manager sometime yeah. soon.
0: Yeah, Kenny'll get his hands off and uh, yeah, we'll see. Or who knows. Anyways, maybe he'll luck wanna... his way
1: into another uh, World Series, but hey,
0: <laughs> I don't want to be that guy.
1: But... <laughs>
0: no, but anyways, like you know, you don't you don't see a lot of that. You don't get a lot of sports conversation with your uh, brewmasters and things, you know, around some just the time the time's not there.
1: Yeah, I mean, for most of us the most sports we get all summer is usually someone brings a frisbee to beer fests and we'll toss it around Let's once go. we're done setting up. Hilarious! Yeah, so That's all I, we got, guys. Yeah, it. So
0: it you got your monk beer.
1: Mm-hmm. I already lost it, West, What was it? Uh, commonly referred to as Westy Twelve. Westy Twelve. I'm gonna okay. butcher the pronunciation. No, don't if try I it tried. Man, it's like West it. Fallen or it, it, you know. So
0: what's your, what's your basic go to if you get, you're buying some off the shelf? What's in your fridge at home?
1: Uh besides my, Stateville style. I yeah. uh, to mentally run through the list right oh, is, it, is it excessive? It's a variety. Home um, seller? Mhm. Seller? No, just this as well? Uh, I do. I'm not and? Uh, well yeah, a little, know, crazy? little bit. Okay. You know, it you know, I I, I whenever I see something that I know I'm going to want to try, I'll I'll buy it and if it's something that can go in the cellar goes in the cellar, if it can go in the fridge, it go in the fridge. But like yeah, right now in my fridge um Been really liking, uh, Mars just kicked out a New England IPA with, uh, some wine. No. Oh, the, uh, Hollahays. Yeah, Hollahays. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad beer. Yeah, I've been enjoying that one. Um, It's got
0: interesting profile, to it. It's not
1: straight up New England IPA, here's your juice. There's, there's a play on it, and I really like that kind of twist to it.
0: Yeah, I like the way they kind of operate. They don't, you know, because they've made, like, uh, Recently, overhaze, um, Crush velvet, and that all kind of came out on each other's tails and yeah. crazy straws. But that hollow haze has like a whole different, it's not the same, you know? And yeah, Crush and velvet is like the perfect example to me, like of a Chicago, New England version of an IPA like that. Mm-hmm. It's super juicy, it's super, you know, it's it's great, but I love the way that hollow haze kind of plays with it a little bit. Yeah,
1: that, that beer to me is, uh, you know, someone went, well, what about this? And that is always a worthwhile question. And to nobody answer.
0: said that's stupid.
1: Yeah, no, because why? Well, why would you like right. in this industry? Like, hey, try what it. about it. Let's try see. it. Um, let's see. Other than that, I've got a couple bottles of Tweak still working my way through that. Some Mocha Merlin. Um,
0: How come I don't know what you're talking about right now? Well,
1: if you don't know what Isn't tweak that local, what's Tweak? Tweak is from Avery. Oh, okay. Uh, tweak is their barrel-aged coffee stout. I it feel is. like
0: Avery is one of these these brands that like. I feel like I'm, I'm past, but I'm really not. Like you know, I shouldn't be. If you think you're past Avery, right, then, I didn't dive yeah. into Avery enough.
1: Is the problem? You like, you probably had their normal standard on the shelf right, stuff, exactly. Which hey, like guys, always support that stuff. That is how your breweries pay their bills. Um, but their like their crazier releases, their sour program, it, like they're fantastic.
0: Yeah, they, I I have had some really good sours from them, but like. like I, I think uh, the guys that crafted 1979 over in Mokina, they were telling me that there's a really good IPA that they do that's just kind of like an under the radar. Like, you don't, you know, you're busy looking for your, your big hitter. The Maharaja? Know, IPAs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the one they brought up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good IPA. It used to just be a bomber release, but they're selling it in cans now. When, yeah. I, was, when I was in Colorado, got like last year or something like that, you know, was actually got the opportunity to. Go to their newish brewery out there, and was just shocked to see it in cans for the first time, and then came home and started seeing it out here. But yeah, it's it, that's one of those IPAs that the craft beer scene is kind of like. oh, Okay, well, that's been around for a while, but it's right. you know it's it's coming. Give like me my the, six pack of zombie dust. Well, it's kind of <laughs> like the iron and steel we started off with. You know, it's a damn good double IPA that you know you've just got to get someone to drink it again. But
0: yeah, I mean, wh- that that seems like a a challenge too big for me to even think about right now exactly so, so what else what else you get you guys got the normal stuff gla- mm-hmm. glassware shirts like glassware and t-shirts everything? right now
1: um what's your glassware like the standard stuff uh, we've got the standard shaker pint you know you the logo on it yeah you, know. you can't open a brewery and not have a shaker pint Even yeah, though, like 16 it, ounce it, so. it is the worst vessel to drink beer out of from a like technical standpoint but
0: I'll be honest, uh, I've abandoned all of mine. Those stay in the uh, cabinet with the regular glasses, and then I've got, you know, she's got the china cabinet. The mm-hmm. wife has the china cabinet. That's where I keep all, of the, all the brewery uh, vessels, basically. Uh, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm partial to yeah. the tulip and the yeah. tiku glasses. Like that. Yeah, it's
1: a, that's the other glass we have is a, we have a tiku glass. Oh, I love those. Yeah, we figured, all right, we'll go the most basic of basics, and then we'll go with the nice high-end one.
0: I've been liking the the style.
1: What do you call these? These uh, that is a Spieglau IPA glass. Yeah, so, I've, I've been really enjoying
0: those. I mean, in different variations of like the Hot Butcher one that came out recently, and uh, Iron and Glass just did it when they did the collab with uh, Noon Whistle. Yeah, really like those. Very similar to, the, to this. Yeah, one. Yeah, so it,
1: like that that glass is actually skinny base, bulbous to top. <laughs> yeah, so it just to. For everybody who's just listening, you know, pull over in your car and Google Spieglau IPA glass. And once you've gone through six wrong spellings of Spieglau, um, the glass itself, it, you know, has a bulbous top and then comes down in like a tulip, but then to a cone in the bottom. But that cone has ridges on it. Um, it's a glass that Spieglau did. I th- want to say they did it with, well with a brewery that gets very litigious, so I'm not going to say their name. Um, but it, those, those ridges act to, if you take a drink from it and then put it down, you can kind of watch the beer rip through those ridges and recreate the foam on the top, the idea being you get more aromatics from it, which is what you want out of an IPA. So it's, it's a glass that's engineered to be the perfect IPA glass.
0: Hashtag proper glassware.
1: Exactly. All right, so what else should we talk about
0: migraine brewing before we wrap it up? And we're about an hour and 25 minutes in. I mean, I can go all night with you. I don't care, but, but you know, I, I, you got things to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we can keep jumping around to all sorts of different aspects of yeah. the industry. But, I mean, you know, to, to me, most important thing, hey, come to our beer dinner, you know, support your local brewery.
0: Especially if you're like within sniffing distance of Joliet, because I know a lot of the guys listening to this right now and the gals are going to be Romeoville, you know, Joliet, Shorewood, Plainfield, you know, get out here. I mean, yeah. It's, it's it's definitely worth the trip. He's got plenty of beers untapped. And if you have an empty line on your home kegerator or keezer, he's got a solution for that
1: as well. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, if you're looking for to go stuff, we got four packs of the Stateville and Pilchers Pale Ale. And can I buy
0: it right here? Yeah. I can get a four pack? Okay. You're Gonna get me a four pack of that stout. That's I think I'm taking that home. The wife, <laughs> Absolutely. the wife has been enjoying that stout, the stouts sure. lately. So,
1: um, other than that, anything we got on tap, we'll put in a growler. So,
0: what do you have 64 and 32s or uh, no? So, we do the crawlers. it's a oh, 32 the ounce can. The cans, okay. So, you got the full spinner, spinning, uh, dancing party. Yeah, I mean, we okay. still
1: get people coming in, like, hey, we fill my growler up. Well,
0: do you not do growlers at all?
1: I mean, if someone comes in with a growler, we will fill it up, but we're going to just charge you the same as we charge for two growlers. So why wouldn't you just get two growlers? It's a
0: because you get the do you get the longevity of a, of the growler? Well, I mean, that not that it's long, but it you know it's longer than yeah.
1: Like I I get the people are like, well, well I'm going to open top. it and pour a glass and close it, but realistically, once you open it, you've got thirty two ounces. I mean, it's yeah, time to party. <laughs> yeah, you you've got twenty four hours to drink it at most, and
0: Stick yeah. some duct tape over the, the mouth for yeah. for a half an hour while you're drinking that one. Because yeah, you're goes. gonna finish it eventually because the beer doesn't suck, so you're gonna finish it. So
1: Yeah, I mean thirty two ounces people like, oh that's too big. I can't finish it myself. It is two pints. Sixty
0: four ounces is too can be too yeah. big sometimes. Sixty four ounces beers, is but yeah. yeah. Thirty two ounces is it's a Friday afternoon. It's not
1: yeah. <laughs> it's not even a Friday night. I mean Yeah. Sixty four ounces is I'm gonna go home and have a real good time. Thirty two ounces is I'm gonna be a responsible adult. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna do adult things tomorrow.
1: Yeah, after drinking this. Exactly. I might
0: watch The Bachelor tonight. I don't know. it's like, crazy. All right, so let's uh, let's give a shout out to to Vince. I know Vince said maybe jump in, but uh, but uh, he he didn't make it. He didn't make it. He's busy.
1: Yeah, that is the, That's He's the downside the of uh, being one of the owners. Is you know when you've got a restaurant aspect, you're usually kind of stuck dealing with that. So
0: I just want to thank him because you know between. Him and you, you guys were very cordial to to give me your time, to very uh, generous with the time. The place is great, the beer is great, um, the setup is great. You gave me a quick little tour before we hit it. But again, like I said, anything else you want to cover before we before we uh, say goodbye to the, the folks listening?
1: Um, uh, one other thing I'll say is that if you live in the area, the you know, best way you can support us, you know, right now we're trying to grow our wholesale arm. Ask for us in your local liquor store and your local bar. I mean it like that seems like such a cheese ball thing to do, but it yeah, but really like goes along. Act way. like beer
0: people are shy. yeah do not I d don't I've been in many liquor stores and heard people and myself included walk right up to the front and be like Why don't you have Noon Whistle, or why don't you have this and that? Yeah, don't be shy. If you like migraine, tell them you want migraine in their store.
1: Yeah, I mean, otherwise, hey, if you've not been out here yet, come out. Hey, if you come here Monday through Friday, I will probably be here.
0: No, Um, don't say that, because it's right now, hours... Monday and Tuesday
1: uh yeah we 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 switched to winter hours because it's Chicago, and you all don't come out when it's cold outside as much as you like to pretend you're tough. It so. seems
0: like a like a prudent decision, I mean, yeah, and it's kind of standard, right I mean it's kind of standard in the industry, I know you guys have food, yeah. it's a different like, honestly that most
1: way. most breweries are closed on Mondays year round anyway, right, you know, we'll be open again on Mondays come summertime, but for the time being Mondays and Tuesdays, hey. Uh, I get it. I live here, too. I don't want to go out after partying hey, all it weekend. Sucks, yeah. but, oh. There's nothing worse than being hungover and cold.
0: Yeah, It's but, a terrible combination.
1: Yeah, hey, come out here, try the beer. Hey, if you think it's great, let us know. If you think it sucks, also let us know. I'm, I'm down for constructive criticism.
0: I've spent the last uh, about two hours with him. I'm pretty sure he can take it. I'm sure, pretty sure he can take it if you have an issue with one of his beers. Um, I know Facebook gets pretty bu- brutal sometimes with the craft <laughs> beer industry, but
1: yeah, when uh, well, anytime you throw anything into that echo chamber that is the internet, yeah, it can be a little less than fun. Like, sometimes it helps
0: improvement, though. You never know. But oh yeah, just you just don't have to threaten his family or anything. No.
1: Oh god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we we've gotten some fun comments. Yeah. My my all time favorite complaint is somebody complained that my. Um, my cream ale, which clocks in at, I think, like a whopping 15 IBUs, was okay. too hoppy.
0: It's a little hoppy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just like, <laughs> really? Oh,
0: it's fine. It's fine. like, you uh, know, yeah. hey, we can't judge people's palates. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, we, we're used to scorching our palates with, you know, anything oh, yeah. from. Yeah, you and know.
1: It's, it, as much as that's my favorite comment I've ever gotten, like, hey, awesome. everyone's palate's different. It was a little yeah. harsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little harsh yeah
0: 15 ibus huh? there's actually a scientific scale for that yeah, <laughs> yeah to let you know that that's not true but mm-hmm. um so okay you know i i wanted to cover this real quick but yeah, sure. uh where are you canning at it's canning right here or is it yeah. mobile canning company coming in or no, we got it, a we, we got, got a little canning
1: line right here um If, you know, anyone is interested or cares about technical aspects, we use a... They do. Okay. We use a Wild Goose WG-50. It is one of the smallest canning lines on the planet. It's essentially a two-head filler and then single seamer. So, whenever we do...
0: Perfect for four-pack cans, huh?
1: Yeah, it's fine for four-pack 16 ounces. Um, But, yeah, it's... Canning days are fun. They're long. It, you know, it's not like you, you know, would see it at a typical big brewery where they just turn on a machine, dial it all in, and it kicks out 50 cans a minute. You know, we do about, I think fastest speed we clocked at was like eight cans a minute. But you know it's a fun day. You know me and the owners usually just sit back there and bang it all out. And do we'll you
0: ever bring people in, like friends and? Uh, well, you know.
1: yeah, we'll periodically bring in volunteers to local
0: podcasters.
1: They, they they'd be happy to come and help
0: can, <laughs> slap some labels on whatever you need.
1: I've got a uh, three big canning runs coming up in the very you, near you future.
0: No, i would be happy to help. If you need sure. self-distro help? I'll help you with that too. That's fine. Oh, whatever. If, whatever's around here.
1: Uh, if only I could self-distribute, but that that is another it's another fun. Hurdle. Well, no, it's um. How much time we got? Wow. Anytime. Anytime you want. Really. Oh, okay. Um, so just to, you know, dig more into the fun Illinois legal minutia, um, if you want to open a brew pub in the state of Illinois, you legally cannot self-distribute. So if I want to get my beer outside of here, like I can't do like what Workforce or Metal Monkey is doing where they have a you know, little tap room and then they can drive around in a van and distribute their beer themselves. I have to sign with the distributor. Um, otherwise I have to disconnect these two businesses and sell my beer to my restaurant. It's, it's all of the food. It's part, it's the food part. Okay. Yeah. And the, okay. you know, the.
0: So I, who, who's distributing for you now?
1: Uh, right now we're distributing just with Kozal. Um, they're the local Miller Coors distributor. They also carry, you know, Revolution, um, you know, a whole bunch of craft brands that are local. So like, I didn't mean to
0: distract you from what you were saying, but go no, ahead. they're fine.
1: So that that's just how Illinois works. It um, every state's different, but once you're going out of state, you're going with the distributor anyway. So at that point, I really don't care. It's just it's an annoying hurdle that I have to deal with. That anyone who didn't open a pub is like, haha. Well, sucks to be you. But the plus side is, you know, like we talked about back at the beginning. I have a pub, my liquor license is however much beer I want to serve people before they get drunk, I can serve food, so I, I've got more avenues in my, you know, existing space to make money than someone who's just a little taproom and self-distributing.
0: So you're using the scales, you know, where, where, does, it, yeah. where does it balance out? You know, I,
1: I gotta give here, but I get there, so... Yeah, you know, okay. the, the other side of that is, why does it have to balance? you know like hey if i if someone wants to open just a brewery not a restaurant cuz they don't want to deal with the headache of opening a restaurant i totally get i'm not get saying it. it's a
0: good thing yeah <laughs> i'm just saying you're 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 dealing with the circumstances you're dealt at this point
1: exactly and you know when we sat down and did the you know had the initial discussion and you know Vincent and Greg had it long before i did but you know it just happens to be something i agree with there's more plus sides to having a pub than having to go with distribution but you know then you're beholden to distributors, which I don't like having to depend on someone else to sell my beer, but it is what it is That's An independent spirit yeah that's... so
0: so on top of on top of all that, is there future? Got, well, what do you guys have envisioned? I mean, how old are you guys now? You're not that old. I mean, no, we've like only been <laughs> here for two years. I mean, Yeah, we've been open for all of five months. Yeah, I mean, so. to have cans in stores and, like, a reputable food menu that's being talked about on social media and in person, I mean, just mm-hmm. from my close friends, and they're not the craft beer people. I, I'm more of a, you know, it's so... Obviously, you guys are doing something right. What do you guys vision envision in the near future even? like,
1: Yeah, I mean, so we, we went with a kind of accelerated timetable. So, you know, our plan is to start to slowly grow our uh, our distribution. You know, this, this first four or five months, you know, we wanted to get that deal signed. We knew who we wanted to go with initially. You know, we, we sat down and met with all distributors. And from the beer wholesale side, we knew what we wanted to do there. Um, coming up soon, we're gonna start, you know, really focusing on the surrounding area and to start start to slowly grow that distribution, you know. You, you might hear someone periodically talk about, like, Bud cluster or Miller cluster. Kozl's part of the Miller cluster. It just means they're part of the conglomerate of distributors that distribute Miller cores. The downside is you won't get a statewide distributor or someone who has a big area, but the plus side is you're in. You, you can get into every bar because they're in every bar. You know that. That's just kind of the cold hard truth of it. Is you know as much as we may not like Miller, we'll use their distribution. Um, so we're going to start slowly creeping our expansion outward and outward, using that cluster, so that we can kind of add different Miller distributors when we're ready to go into their area. Instead of say, I could go with Gluns, which covers. Chicago and all the collar counties and even out to DeKalb and have it all covered in one go, but then you're immediately stretched and trying to focus on growing your distribution in all those areas instead of really just focusing local and spiraling outwards. Tap,
0: does your tap room suffer at that point if you're, you're so, too busy trying to fill up cans and get them on the shelves? or
1: It's certainly possible that it can if you don't manage your time right, but the tap room always has to come first. You know that that is your biggest income arm until wholesale gets big enough so it you know it's a balancing act you don't want to piss anything off but that's also why you don't overextend yourself and grow too quickly Um, yeah I don't know it's uh, other than that you know this is going to be our first summer open so we're you know We got plans for the patio. It's a big
0: deal. I don't think people take that into account enough. Oh, yeah. We
1: (laughs) we opened this place at the worst possible time. Um, And you're
0: still here. Yeah.
1: Um, Summer should be good. Yeah. we, We planned to open for April and have that whole summer and, you know, be able to grow the squirrel fund and, you know, be able to calm down a little bit in winter and all that. Instead, we opened in August had a couple decent months and you know now we've got to hit the chicago winter which the bar scene just kind of dies um so yeah this will be our first summer being open we're you know we've got some events planned city really wants us to be heavily involved with their Oktoberfest, so that's Good. definitely going to be coming um other than that
0: okay so how about uh stores that you're in right now do you do you, how how many are we talking right now
1: Oh God! Right now, stores where I can go walk in and buy a four pack. <laughs> that is the downside of going through a distributor. Is I can give you the numbers from like so, two weeks ago.
0: Okay, but, no, that's fine. Um, but just locally, uh, yeah. I've seen you at Cardinal. I've seen you at. Uh, I've seen you at Iron and Glass. I believe. Does that, yeah. That sound right? Yeah.
1: Um. I mean yeah if you've seen us at iron and glass that's not even reflected on my sales okay maybe i'm wrong about that well again my numbers are two weeks old and i live around the corner from there and Mm -hmm. eric has you know eric is awesome yeah he he's like yeah as soon as eric and cole are good men yeah they're yeah but eric and cole both have been like yeah as soon as the causal rep comes in and mentions you you know we'll we'll take two of everything or whatever right um and they're fantastic guys over there i love them to death um but, so, so yeah, okay, so it's, two it weeks is, ago, how far out were you? Uh two weeks ago I wanna say about ten liquor stores, five bars. But again, that's two weeks ago and we've now been focusing on it, so that number's I'm sure completely different. Okay. You so know people I,
0: can get out and get you get you a four pack a, a stateville prison, uh and uh, Pilcher, is it? Yep. Is it? Those Pilcher's are the two family. that are out on, on distro.
1: Yep. Um, coming up within the next month or so, Belgian Quad will be out. Um, most of those cans are going to stay here in-house because it's kind of a special one-off release in cans. But we'll, you know, if the distributor wants some, we'll get them out there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, Belgian Quads, man, it, it is one of my favorite styles, but it's also one of those styles that the market has dictated is not one of its favorite right, styles. Right, exactly,
0: yeah. You you don't see people lining up for the Belgian quad release, you know. But,
1: you know, it's... It doesn't mean
0: it's not a great beer.
1: Yeah, and it's a fun beer. It's a fun style. If you have not tried a Belgian quad or a Belgian strong ale, try them. They're cool, and every one of them is different. But that'll be be hitting distribution soon, and then Iron and Steel and City of Stone will be the next ones on the list. Are you going to start canning those pretty soon? Yeah, Iron and Steel believe that'll be in about a month and a half or so so we're in early january now so end of february you should start seeing those and then city of stone we're working on the can design now that one should be i want to say march or so
0: what style is city of stone again
1: city of stone is our saison was the Cezanne.
0: and that's the one you were talking about. Day one, mm-hmm. that the one that you were directing people one way, and they were like, "Oh, this saison, this one is the one I like."
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was the one that all the Miller drinkers shocked us and said, "We like this one." So, you know, we'll we'll call that a very might, dubious people's choice award. You might have, something. You might award, have but, something
0: there, yeah. You might yeah. have something you don't even realize there. Yeah,
1: but then I have people who love saisons. We're like, "Oh, the saison is amazing." I'm like,
0: right, uh, well, you're a saison yeah. guy, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you're getting people that don't really know much about craft beer and they're Gravitating toward the sun. Do you have it on tap right now? Yep. Okay, I might have to try a little little Please swish do. of that before I walk out of here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we've done an hour and forty-one minutes. Did you know that? Did you feel uh, so, like we did that much? So
1: it's time to shut the fuck up. No,
0: no, it's never <laughs> time to shut the fuck up. I, we, we, uh, like I said, I can keep going. You got anything else you want to cover? We I am, I, I am all yours. But I,
1: I can not stop talking it's yeah. it, it's a real personality flaw so <laughs> i don't believe it's a
0: flaw but go you know go <laughs> on go on oh
1: no it, you're talking
0: yeah. to a guy who hosts a podcast
1: <laughs> hey we we can go ahead and cut it up here and we can come back for part two once uh you know well, we'll definitely we'll do a year anniversary how hey, about
0: no that? i don't want to wait a year i don't All want right. to wait a year but uh if you've got more stuff coming down the line you know you know how fast this can things can change or things can be thrown at you oh you yeah. may have something coming down the line <laughs> So, keep me in mind. I'd be happy to come back and talk some more beer with you. Sure. Um, Just super great space, great intelligent conversation. I enjoyed every bit of it. So, I appreciate you doing the podcast and I appreciate uh, Vince hooking it up and you being so responsive once it got to you. I mean, uh, it's always nice. You guys have a lot of shit on your plate. So,. I'm happy to uh, take up you know an hour and forty two minutes of your time. Uh, to...
1: The the stuff like this is great because it makes us sit down for an hour and forty minutes.
0: Right, it, it's not reading an article on your phone. It's not looking at a text message. It's not you know, mm. it's it's very rare that you get these sit down interactions and you actually just have a conversation for an hour and a half. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're used to these uh, technologically uh, skewed. Yeah, internet. And, uh, yeah, conversations thanks to everybody for
1: you know giving us a listen while we uh, or while you drive around or run on the treadmill or whatever. It's
0: pretty easy. Migraine. M Y and then grain. It's his yeah. grain. It's his grain.
1: <laughs> it's it's
0: so so. It's Google all it. of our grain, but There's, it's mostly migraine. Yeah, it's mostly his. Uh, it's it's his recipes and his uh, <laughs> <laughs> and his time and hard effort going into it. But find migraine uh, in all the avenues. It's it's pretty basic right you're you're gonna be on twitter you're gonna be on facebook you're gonna be on um, yeah, all, all you, the you, normal you, you social all media sites you know how sites. to use
1: the googles you know how to and find your website's
0: really good too so so Thank just you. google migraine i mean there's some bad brewery websites out there
1: yeah i mean look there, there's bad ones and i always want to call those people like you know squarespace is a thing right yeah like, like
0: squarespace like, is so easy you know it's, look,
1: it, I, it's reasonable and yeah. it's.
0: Nice. It's yeah, great. I'll say. I'll look,
1: look, we don't use Squarespace, and you know, I know they they advertise on a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. But hey, I'll, I'll give them one for free. I use oh, Squarespace rog- Rogan for... P-
0: Rogan's the biggest podcast in the world. He pitches that sp- Squarespace like it's uh, oh. you know uh, going yeah. out of style.
1: Hey, you know, just you know, hey, go to Squarespace and type "average Joe" into the promo code. Yeah. You know, hey, who knows? It might work. <laughs> I'm limited to I'm limited
0: to Podbean and uh, ah. and uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know that kind of stuff. But but yeah, please. Check them out beforehand, but you're talking about a historical building in the middle of downtown Joliet. I know you guys have traveled longer to get to a brewery than yeah, you know, uh, coming it, out it here. Actually, it
1: kind of occurs to me, we, we covered that it's the train station, right?
0: It's the train station. Okay. That
1: might be why you said earlier
0: that the building vibrates every five minutes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of the fun things about, like, out here in the restaurant, uh, unless it's empty and the music's off, you'll never hear it, but back where I am in the brewery, you know, as a brewer, you're kind of trained to listen to, like, for just a weird sound, because a weird sound usually means something is leaking, something is going wrong, something needs your attention. Uh, but being, I'm about as close to being under the tracks as you can get. My grain room actually is under the train tracks. So, I hear weird noises all the time. It just rumbles back there. It's crazy. It doesn't affect the beer at all, but you know, I does, have a heart attack every twenty minutes or so.
0: Does the location affect like the clientele? Do you get like the guy that I would never be in a craft beer bar, but I just got off the train. I'm waiting for somebody to pick me up. Do you get that? Do you see that?
1: Um, you know, we we get plenty of commuters, plenty of people who like you know. Joliet is going to be connected to St. Louis via high speed rail within the next whenever they finish it, you know, within the next year or so. So we get a lot of people who are traveling who are just waiting for someone to pick them up.
0: Um, Kind of a cool, like, uh, market to have. I mean, you know.
1: Well, you know, we we also get people who they're going somewhere on Amtrak and they see, oh, hey, there's a brewery in the, well, we're now the old train station, but across the street from the new train station. So they'll just you know, show up for their train an hour early and come have some food and a couple beers.
0: Yeah, I've, you, you can already picture that. Dude, I'm at this, uh, I'm waiting for the train. There's a brewery mm-hmm. right across the street. Like that's straight <laughs> up beer guy vernacular right yeah. there. Like, Yeah, that, that's, I mean, if I wasn't from Joliet, I might yeah. actually be able to fathom that idea. Yeah. But I don't, know, I don't know if there's a lot of places that have that, you know. I don't know if there's a lot of stops on the, on the train that are going to be able to present that same thing, you know. Yeah. It's kind of cool.
1: I did a train brewery crawl one uh, for one of my buddy's birthdays last year and yeah, I mean you can do it, it's but thin, it's yeah, thin market. It's, you know, it's you get off the train and you'll probably have to walk for 15 minutes, but you can do it.
0: But again, I'm not I'm literally not sitting here kissing your ass. The <laughs> beer is amazing. Uh, the <laughs> conversation was was just as good uh I honestly really appreciate you sitting down and taking time. I understand that you guys have a lot to do and a lot of uh, things riding on it, so I appreciate you taking a minute to sit down and talk to me. We'll get the episode up, and we'll get people listening.
1: Awesome. Thanks, man.
0: All right. Again, we're sitting here at Migraine in downtown Juliet. Train station. I don't really. I mean, type in migraine to your Google if you really need an address, and that's that's more of yeah, a you a problem than a me problem. But type in migraine, M Y G R A I N dot com, or just type it into Google Maps. Um, come out here and try their beer in more uh, not just their beer, you got food. It's yeah. not, a, not a normal. I think you guys are my first place with the food, so. So get out here, please, and uh, share the podcast, subscribe, listen. We're on everything. We're on uh, Twitter. We're on Instagram. I'll be sharing it on Facebook. uh, Migraines on all the normal normal social media spots. And new, as of today, Stitcher. We're on Stitcher Radio to get your podcast. So it's been Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast with uh, Daniel Rosenberg. Uh, Daniel, tell everybody good night. Good night. All right, take care. Bye.